Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. So we start a series called This Is What You Do. This is what we do. And um, um, before I explain exactly what it is and, and where we're going with this, this is a statement we just kind of make when there's an expected norm. It's just, it's what we do. So in my family, when people came around for dinner when I was a kid, and I have three older sisters, they're all performers, there was something we just did. And um, it looked like this. Dinner ended, dessert was served, and then the kids had to perform. Starting with the oldest, she would sing a song, then the next one sing a song, the other one would play a song she'd written, and after would get up with my guitar, and well, it's a one for the money! And the guests would come, and they would be blessed by a little show, by the Fun Plets and Fun Chops. And, um, and, and, and the statement was, well, this is just what we do. My parents couldn't sing, they couldn't play instruments, but we had to, because this is what we do. It was just a statement I got told, but why do we do this, Dad? I don't want to sing for anyone. This is just what we do. Uh, in my house, when, when, when we gathered, we ate around a table. We always got around, because this is what we want to do, and then something called Mnet came on. And I was like, but Mnet's here. It came on at two o'clock. Remember the days when you didn't have DV all day? And uh, it's like, it's on, Dad. No, but this is what we do. I never fully knew why we did it, but I knew this is what we did. And in our family, this is what we do. So when my friends come and said, sorry, but no, Mnet, we do this. We sit at a table, we eat. This is what we do. There were other things in my life. The other day we went on holiday. We took an hour out of our holiday to role play manners for our kids. So mom would go outside and kids would sit in the lounge and mom would walk in and Ben would walk in. Hello, ma'am. Welcome to our house. And this whole thing. And Judah's like, oh, dad, the sun's out. What are we doing? So no, this is what we do. We have good manners. So we've got to work this stuff. And they don't fully understand why it's important yet. I don't care that they don't get why it's important yet. I'm their dad and I'm called to teach them what we do because it's good for them. So there's a whole bunch of things that are, this is what we do. In my school, I, was, I was, went to high school in 1992, which meant that was the age of transformation. The amazing thing is was I was in the first years of transformation. It was exciting. But I was in Durban in an area with lots of Indian chaps. And all of a sudden, these guys are out of school. And what we did at this school is you had to play rugby. So my mate Faraz Ali, who was about 27 kgs in standard six, I have this image of Faraz standing at rugby practice in rugby socks that had to be like taped to his legs because they couldn't stay up, and him just shaking there thinking, I have to play rugby now. Why? Because he arrived at a school that said, this is what we do, but sorry. Whether it was helpful or not, and none of us really understood it, this is what we do. And there's all these statements, even in, in life changes, when I, I trust and I have faith that when people aren't sick, I was in hospital the other day praying for someone, and the nurse says, people keep coming, they keep praying, and I just say, well, this is what we do. We believe in healing. This is what we do. It's an incredibly powerful statement. The challenge is we don't always know why, and we've got to get behind to know why. One day, when my, my son meets a girl, and she falls in love with him because they're there are 20 suitors out there, but one of them opened the door for her, and one of them treated her well, and one of them bought her flowers, and one of them paid for the meal, and one of them SMS to make sure she was home safe, and she went for him. I'll say, but now you understand? Why on holiday? We did that. Because this is what we do. And as a church and as a family, we've got to understand why we do what we do, and then we call people into a story, hey, you're part of a family, this is what we do. 
And our family has a head, and it's not me. His name is Jesus. And he says, I'm pulling you into a family, and this is what we do. So we're going to throw the statement at us, and, and, and this is what we do. And we do it in the church, and everything we do in the church is because of who he is. This is what we do because of who he is, and because of who he is calling us to be. This is what we do. And there's been a battle for the heart of man ever since the Garden of Eden. There's been this battle raging. And um, some would call it idolatry, and, and there's the serpent that enters the story. But when Adam and Eve were completely satisfied in the goodness, the grace, and the faithfulness of God, all of a sudden, there's a voice that comes in, and all they've known is the favor of God. All they've known is the breakthrough of God. All they've known is His goodness and His abundance in their life. And yet there's this voice that comes in, and we jump to Genesis 3. And I want to take two minutes just to remind us that actually this is the first time this happened, and it doesn't stop happening. My salvation is not on the line, but my heart is keep being tugged because there are different voices that keep shouting. So even when I step into a gospel story and I walk into a hospital and I've walked into many hospitals and people don't get healed, I keep walking and saying, this is what we do because I'm in a family and my father told me to do this because he did this. It's not because it makes sense, because it doesn't make sense. And the nurses and you are looking. I was praying in a hospital room a little while ago at about 11 o'clock at night. Nurses were running around, and I forgot where I was from. And I'm just walking around praying in tongues, praying in tongues, just walking around. And eventually I open my eyes, because when I pray, I walk up and down. It's like, I don't know if it's nerves or what it is, but it's nervous energy. I just walk up and down. And then I open my eyes, and this nurse was like looking at me. Like, <laughs> says, what language is that? I said, well, um... Not exactly sure. And there wasn't time to do a whole theological outworking of praying in tongues. So I just left it at the fact that she thought I was weird. That was okay for that moment. Because sometimes, and this is what we do, it's going to be weird. Sometimes my kids are going to get out and they're going to open a door for their girlfriend when they are 47. Because um, they're not having girlfriends, at least still. And, um, and, and, uh, and their mates are going to get out and they're going to, hey, hey, hey. And my boy's going to get out and open the door for his girlfriend. Why? Because this is what we do. It's what we do. And um, in the garden, it starts like this, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord has made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So what's the first thing? He comes, he takes something of the word of God. He just twists it and put an angle on it. He says, did God really say that? Is that really what you do? The woman said to the sermon, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. There's this big tug of war going on. There's what God has said. As God has said, actually, I've given you everything. I've been faithful. There's a whole bunch of weight on the side of God in that voice. And then there's this one tree that says, actually, that's the issue. And then he says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for the Lord knows that when you eat from it in your eyes, it will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing God and evil. And the pull comes. Ugh. It's a pull for our hearts. It's a pull for our future. It's a pull. Is God really that good? Is he really that faithful? Why will you pray again? Why will you invest again? Why will you invest your marriage again? Because everyone else's marriage is failing. Why would you take a Friday night from watching reruns of past sports games to invest your marriage. Why? Because this is what we do. Because we keep coming back to who he is. It's not about what I see. Faith and the very essence of the gospel is faith. It's at faith. I don't choose to see statistics or economics. I look at God. And when I look at God, I see his purposes, his plans. It changes everything. 
And it carries on. It says, When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. The contest is one. It's all God's goodness, all His creation. He made her. She was unique in every way. The first woman. Adam's like, Whoa, check her out. She's an original. She was. And yet, this tug and this war comes into the heart of man, and it changes what they do. See, so much of Christianity focuses about what we do, so why do a series about this is what we do? Why? Because actually the essence of it is God wants our hearts, and He wants us to get on with the story, but for Him and in His ways. And I, I need to move a little through this morning for time reasons, but there's a tug of war for our hearts, and it's never stopped, and it's a battle that is raging. It's raging. It's not a battle for, am I saved or will I spend eternity with Jesus? But a rather battle for our hearts in the here and now. Will you walk in faith? Will your story count today, tomorrow when you get up for a marketplace? So this is what we do. And, and in this series, we're going to take three weeks and, 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 and brace yourself. This is what we do. And I want to present something about God that I believe has called us to is radical generosity. This is what we do. Radical generosity. Why? Because of who God is. And um, I, can, I can feel in the room, some of your butts clenched on the seat, a little tighter. It's like, you know, it's okay. Happens, we've all been there. It's just go easy on our chairs. It's a little faster speaking about bucks. I want to tell you three reasons why we do this. Number one, families got to speak about things that are important to families. And ah, you're not in my family, you're in his family. And um, he's fighting. He says this in Isaiah 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So let me be brutally honest. I'm the guy who shies away from speaking about money. I'm that guy. I haven't come from a, a story where we do big pictures of faith. And even when you do offerings, it's like send the buckets, move on. The challenge is the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It doesn't say they're held back. It doesn't say it's just like an awkward moment for everyone. It said they are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And in our families, if I don't talk with my boys about manners, they'll never know they're important because I'm telling you, no one else is teaching them. And they're not seeing it. And the message says, my people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. And Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, we don't default to be generous. I don't know about you, but I don't, I, I've got three boys, and I quickly realize they don't default to generosity. The one shot the other with a new arrow in the head this morning that his grandpa had bought. Like, just shot him because he tried to take his arrow. So obviously, what do you do? You shoot him. And, and, then, and then the other guy, grandpa buys him a toy thing, but now he wants that as well. And now it's carnage. And it's, I've got to be a mediator. No, no, no. Let's tell you who we are. We are generous. That's who we are. This is what we do. So all these toys are everyone's now. Oh, Dad. And I want to tell you another reason why we've got to talk about generosity is the global church seems to be confused, not about what we do, but about who God is. So God is one of a number of things. He's a one-armed bandit in the sky that if we pull his arm hard enough with deep prayers, I really want the new thing, he will just pour out. Or he is an accountant. God is sitting behind a desk in a suit evaluating risk if I pour out over Darren and his new business. What? No, there are no whiffs and buts, and there's no economies of scale, and there are no opportunity cost when it comes to God and economics. God is not an accountant. He's also not an economist. 
He's not limited by recession. He's not limited by things. And the problem is we get easily limited like the voice that pulls at our hearts very easily in these things. And if we don't bring the word of God, that's why I want you to have one of your own. If we don't bring the word of God into our lives and let it over and become our grid for life and our grid for thinking and the grid for my heart, my heart quickly defaults because my head goes places quickly. I've done postgraduate economics and accounting. I understand where we are right now. That's why even preaching this series, I'm more passionate to preach it because I know that our journey is to be more like God, not anything else. And when we are more like God, God opens up in our lives. Why would I preach around friendship so passionately last week? And some of you came to me afterwards like, are you okay? You had like a breakup or something with your friend. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm passionate because the Bible says where the brothers dwell together in unity, there God commands a blessing. So it's not just a money issue. I want the blessing of God in my life for myself and for you. I want it for my kids and I want it for every person I come into contact with. And I want the blessing of God in this area. That's not a, it's a, with, and I don't, I don't want to make it cheap. It's not like if you do this, it's not formulaic. Get the bumper sticker, get the course, do the thing, do this. No, 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 it's about the heart. It's always ever been about the heart. Since the garden, the thing that was at risk was the heart. Since the garden, the tug of war that was happening wasn't on the fields of Philiersdorp, it was in my heart. And it continues to rage like a fire that cannot be controlled. And there's all these different things. And I honestly believe much of the church is very confused about this. And much of it has been pulled into a worldly system. Says, well, let's just do it like the world. Let's just be a better and use Christian language to it. No, it's not that. That's not what we do because that's not what my father does. My father says, I operate in a different environment, a different atmosphere, and I pull you into that. And there's an issue around money, and the big issue around money is the issue that's central to the gospel that we've just done a whole series on Galatians in. So if you think this is legalistic preaching, if you think even speaking about money is legalistic, please go listen to an eight-week series that will set you free to realize there's a big issue of my heart called freedom. Because it is for freedom that Christ has set me free. And I'm telling you, freedom doesn't look like more money. One day when I've had more money... See, I've walked with the same guys for 20 years, and what you realize is the same guy said, oh, when I just get more money. The problem is when you get more money, this thing, if it's not ordained by the Word of God, this thing goes fraught. It's just fraught. And um, is that a good word, Lou? You like that word? It's wonderful. In 16 years of this church, we've done two Sunday series on finances and one midweek training. And I'm saying that as a confession because it's not enough. Part of the church's mandate is to teach people God's ways, His thing, and, and, and pull them into life. And I want to say a few things. The Life Changes Church, finances are fine. This is not about a pitch for finances. Honestly, this is an incredibly generous church. But I'm fighting for the blessing of every person in this community and those that God wants to add. I'm fighting for a story that God keeps adding people to. It's actually, it's, it is about getting pulled on what you're out of, but it's also important what you're added to. Or you're added to a people of faith who do what I call them to do because of who I am. That's the gospel. I'm not pulled into my own, well, I like that part of the gospel, not this part of the gospel. Jesus says this. He says, Jesus gave this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing. 
Why is generosity a big issue? Because what I see in the Word of God and what I see when God breaks into lives, when He breaks into stories and He opens up, I see an incredibly generous Father. Not an accountant, not an economist, not someone with the T's and C's just waiting to trip me up. I see a generous Father. Not because of my experience, but because of the Word of God tells me. He tells me, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave, and he's never stopped giving, and he keeps giving, and he wants to keep giving over his sons and daughters. But he wants our hearts to be like his, not just our actions. He wants my heart to pour out, to actually, I desire, I'm telling you, I've never struggled with a generous man. Have you? It's like someone comes to your house, they're generous, like, mm-mm. <laughs> At the door, outside, carrying bags of like, like that, that Swiss truffle Woolworths dessert that people sometimes arrive with. It's like, no, stay outside with your truffle. Don't bring your truffle in here. Don't. No, you don't do that. You welcome them in. I'm telling you, part of the problem here is because people don't see God in the way that the Bible presents Him. And I've preached this story before, and it's my favorite wedding story, and I can't preach it anymore because I absolutely love it. But Jesus comes to a wedding, and they run out of wine, and everyone goes, that's because Jesus loves wine. That's not the moral of the story. It's because wine was a currency of the day. It was a precious commodity that you couldn't get access to. And he says, actually, what are you going to do? And he produces water, wine from water. And, and, and the commentators will say anywhere between 480 liters and 650 liters of wine. It says the finest of wines. Why is that so amazing? It's not because Jesus is a wine snob. It's because the finest of wines had a commercial value. And he produces them. And that couple, part of the Jewish tradition is you didn't give gifts. You brought the feast. And whatever was left over of the feast, that couple could then sell back to the community. And that was their setup for life. You didn't worship the God who just brought enough, or uh, 20 people, three, four bottles, tussies. <laughs> That's not what God did. God says, the finest ones, fill those barrels, boom, there's wine, great party trick. You've won America's Got Talent, but the message is who God is. God is a generous father who comes in a moment of insecurity when a young couple who have nothing are looking for a head start in life. He says, at the very beginning, in my very first miracle, I'm going to reveal myself as something that you need to get that I am. I'm a generous father. And I will always be. When you're doing theology, there's this, this, this fact that how you do theology is the law of first mention. Whenever something is mentioned for the first time or a story is told or an example, that becomes a basis for the compounding growth of revelation as you go through the Word. This is the first miracle Jesus does. In His very first miracle, He reveals how generous our Father is. God wants the hearts of man. God is generous. And I love that story and I love the fact that God is a giver. He is not an economist. He's the God of how much more. And Rory Dice told me this years ago, and he loved the scripture, Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, know you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? And then I did a study on how much more, and I find it's all over the place. Luke 12, verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no store in a barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable... You are then ravens. Luke 12, verse 28. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? 
And then even around Jesus, as Hebrews 9 verse 14, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse your consciences from acts that led to death, so that we may serve the living God. We serve the God of how much more, and yet we come to church going, God, just if I can just scrape through, if I can just do it, if I can just hold on. He says, now I want to break that mindset because that's not me. See, even sometimes when I'm doing things like teaching my kids, man, as they're going, oh, Dad, you're a pain. This is ridiculous. I'm four. <laughs> and Daniel's looking at me. But one day, one day, maybe, hopefully, I, I really do hope at their wedding speech one day, there'll be a kid who's not four anymore. He'll grow up and say, Dad, I remember. And now I know that your heart wasn't about manners or you looking good because your kids are well behaved. Your heart was always so that I would know how to treat this lady who God, the generous Father, has given me so abundantly. See, we never get it at the time. We never do. And um, there's the story, how much more? And I want to tell you that it's irrational. Even at this time, my concern is that when we take our cue off the world and we take our cue off economics, we get pulled into a system that is not God's system. We get stuck there. And it takes a radical intervention of God. And I want to give you a demonstration that is real to many who might still be sore from tug of war. And I'm not going to get through my whole preach, but we've got three weeks to do this series, so I don't even want to rush there. There's a tug of war for the hearts of man in the area of who God is. Is God good? Is he faithful? It's been there since the Eden. And then, so, so we get saved and we get this big truth. Actually, um, God is faithful. He's the God who gave John 3.16. Actually, so it's a big one. Edda, just to honor what Quinton said. Come up and take up the rope here, buddy. It's a big one. It's like, it's, 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 it's a big one. If that arm shirt came off, there's some big guns under there. <laughs> Been honed. Don't go all the way to the end, buddy. We won't go that big. And, um, but, but there's, there's a pull. It's, I know God is good. There may be another big guy. Nick, why don't you come and grab here as well? He says, I, I know God is faithful. I know I've seen some stuff. There's a, there's a tugging in our story. God is generous. I can trust him. He's a good father. There are all these truths. But there's another side pulling my heart every day. And Jerry of the Lord. Won't you grab? <laughs> so, take, well, just take up a little bit of strain here, boys. This could get messy. I'm trying to move back. But I did break my iPad last week. Let's not try to do it again this week. Here's my heart. I lift it up. This is a healthy place for my heart. It's okay to have tensions. But it's not okay for my heart to be pulled in another direction. It's not okay for my heart to be given. It's not okay to go other things. And these things start coming in my heart, and my heart starts getting tension up, and I'm living with every day. And I get, I'm getting to these moments, and, and, and we go to men's camp last week. A single lady in this church paid for two men to go on men's camp last week. And then the same week, another man came and said, he has an amount of money, I want you to help some people. Why? Because God gets in hearts. There's not a tug anymore, but we live like there's a tug, and we allow ourselves to live. So actually, we need another. Ollie, jump up there, buddy. See, the first one, Jerry, is, but month ends is coming. It's not a big one. Sorry, Jerry, I'm not just, just using you as an example, of course. And it's not, it's not the strongest one, but then, but then, and then, and then Michael, jump up. I mean, again, it's, it's not, 
it's not a voice that's been in the gym forever. <laughs> or ever. But it's a voice that says, actually, actually, I mean, that guy who's been going to church forever, his daughter's not well. And if he can't trust you to make his daughter, maybe I can't trust you. See, the word of God's not fashioning, but it's still a strength that's pulling. And then, and then Ollie at the back, there's another voice, but, but you see, I'm, I'm, I really need something that I really want. I really, really, really need some new white shoes like Quinton. Those ones. I, but I don't, but my heart that is selfish really does. So it becomes a pull on my heart. And then Lee, you're up. And it's another pull that says, hey, uh, uh, it, this, this giving thing and being generous like God, be it time, money. I'm not even dealing with just money. This I'm talking any area of our lives. Too generous to my wife. It's like she wasn't generous with me yesterday when I asked if she could leave that last piece of chocolate. So I'm not going to be generous with her next week. I just... And then, and then the story keeps building. Caleb, I want to pull you up there, but you're just too darn big for the illustration. And uh, <laughs> I need some skinny guys. All the <laughs> Brandon, you're going to have to do. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, then, and then another voice says, actually, but, but, but my parents believed in Jesus, and my parents gave for 30 years, and my parents didn't die with 30 million in the bank. And then there's, there's, but then sometimes a big voice like Caleb comes on the end there. And that big voice is called, I read the daily news and the daily news says there's a global recession, button down the hatches, stay safe, look after yourself. And that's a big voice. That, that starts coming a big voice. You see in the rules of the heart, there are no rules like six each side. In the rules of the heart, we don't work with an enemy who's got the mandate you've got to play within these rules. We don't fight an enemy who's playing within any rules. We're fighting an enemy who plays by no rules to get the one thing that has to be given to God. It's my heart, and it's deep down. It's where no one's watching and no one can see. And then God just keeps adding. Manuel, jump up. See, see I've, just, I've, I've, I've got a little girl called Amy, and I need to study and all this stuff. And God, if I just hold back for the next two years, surely you'll understand. If I'm just not generous with anyone, I'm not generous with my wife, and I'm not. I think the enemy just keeps loading the bases. What does the Bible say? See, if we started pulling now, I'm pretty sure it's going to go that way. And I'm, I'm almost, the naughty guy in me wants to say pull. <laughs> Who wants to see a little pull? Okay, just, okay. just Caleb, don't back off now. Come, just, okay, because Ed is fighting for pride now. And, and uh, okay, just take your, take, take a little, take a little tension there, take a little... Okay, and then, and then on your mark, get set, go. You're just making sure. Just make it. Okay. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. Hold the tail. Hold the rope. Hold the rope. Why are we speaking about this is what we do, that God is a radically, irrationally generous God? Why? Because I need the Word of God to fashion my life, otherwise a million other voices will. And I need the Word of God to come like a two-edged sword and cut off the tension that exists in my heart. There is no tension in my heart. There cannot be a tension. And when I, when I encourage attention, when I live with tension, I will eventually fall weakness because there are thorns in my side, like Kurt spoke. But God says, I want to come and I want to be Lord. I want to be Lord and Savior. I want to be everything. And I want it all. I want your heart. 
And I'm telling you, as much as friendship and the brothers dwelling together opens up the blessing of heaven and makes us blessable. See, sometimes my kids are just, they don't mean to be, but they're just not blessable. <laughs> becomes difficult to bless them. We become the same. And our only way to cut off this is to take the word of God and cut it. And let the truth that the word of God, that God is my provider, that he is faithful, cuts the cycles that are unhelpful in my life and brings freedom so there is no longer a fight. The only way to do is to cut it. And I'm telling you, most of the challenge in this area is we try hold both. And we get so stretched and we are holding, God is faithful, God is kind. But gosh, the end of the month's coming. And that person doesn't have a meal, but who cares? Because what about my kids in seven days' time? And... I live with that tension. And the only way to do it is allow the word of God to come. God is faithful. God is true. He is generous. He has always been and he always will be. And my life is invested in that truth. And when I believe that truth, it becomes easy to trust him. See, there's a man named Rory Dyer who gave me this watch. It's the greatest gift I've ever been given by someone on this earth. It's not hard to trust and believe that even when things go down, he will be there because he's proved himself faithful. How much more valuable is your eternal salvation than this watch? How much more? Even though fathers on this earth can give good gifts, how much more the Father in heaven? All I want to do today, as time has left us and I need to go to Milton because Gabriel is away. Will you open your hearts? And as you read the gospel this week, go read about what Jesus says about his father and look for the truth. Look for a generous father. And I promise you, from Genesis to Revelations, if you read the word of God and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the generous father. Not my father on earth who beat me or my father on earth who left us. See, if that's your grid of father, you'll never see the generous father. But if you come to the Word of God and under the authority of the Word of God, I believe the Holy Spirit will reveal the generous Father and the rope snaps. I'm not going to cut this rope because we've just bought it. <laughs> it would have been better for the analogy. Can I pray for us? And guys, you can make your way back. Thank you. Is that all right? I wanted to cover more ground, but we got some time together next week. <clears throat> Spirit of God, you are here. We're not just, not just having fun to make a point. My heart often is like this rope, Lord, if I'm being honest. There's moments when I think, God, but what about education done day? I've got three boys. And, and my heart has to get back to the place that says there's only one who holds my soul and there's only one who prepares my future, and there's only one who is more committed to my boys than I could ever be. His name is Jesus. And there is a father, a good father, a glorious father, who has always been faithful and always been true and always will be, who wants the recesses of my heart that shout, look after yourself, that shout, make a plan, wants that place to be free. I pray, God, Spirit of God, as we read your word this week, and I pray, let us read your word this week. Would you reveal to us the glorious good Father? Allow God to get into your heart. If you're sitting there and this is another money punt, I promise you're going to miss something.
That's got to bring him to your life. Why? Because God wants to pull you into his story. He's not an economist. He's not an accountant. He's not stingy. He's a glorious, generous father. Thank you, God.